lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that blood. Thank you for that strength. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Oh, I bless the name of Jesus. My friend, there has been times in my life where I didn't know what words to even say to begin to express the desire of my soul. But I knew that if I called on the name of Jesus, then this whole book is wrapped up in that one precious name. Hallelujah. I remember when I was just a boy, my former youth pastor, he worked for a, a company that installed uh, cell phone towers and, and maintained cell phone towers and all that kind of stuff. And, and his job was to climb up the tower, change the light bulbs, put on the antennas, all that kind of stuff. That ain't my job. I'm a ground man. Okay. The Bible says, lo, I am with you always. And on one of these particular jobs, there was no way to climb it. And the only option that him and his, his partner had was some type of winch to winch him to the top of this tower, several hundred feet. I would have quit right there, but I mean, it's just me. You can find a job. So he loaded up all the equipment and the tools, some 50, 60 pounds, and the guy starts winching him up. And he gets 75 feet up, and he goes to move around a piece of equipment and falls right out of the sling. 75 feet, lands feet first. He said, the only option I had, the only thing that came to my mind was I screamed Jesus the whole way down. And if he walked in here today, you would never know he fell 75 feet. Because there is keeping power in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, I just believe that name wants to work here this morning. Turn with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter number 6. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord, members and guests alike. I want to thank each and every one of you. That's been praying and fasting. I was able last night to make the last 30 minutes of prayer. The time I got into town was about 7.30. And there was just a wonderful flow of the Spirit of God here last night. And, uh, you know, I'm a walker. I'm a walker talker. Okay, when I pray, I got to walk. That's why you see me walking is because that's God talking. So, God, the only way I can get God to talk to me is I got to walk. And that's just that's just me. And when, when God starts moving on me, I feel it like someone's stinging me from the middle of my back goes all the way up to my hair. That's just how I know God's talking to me. And I got to talk, I got to walking and talking last night. I got about over there and the Lord spoke to me what to preach this morning. And I want you to open your hearts. 
because I know what the Holy Ghost is trying to do in this place. I just want you to get on board with it. The Bible says, verse number 46, Luke chapter 6, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep, laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Verse number 46 is what the Lord dealt with me last night. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I want to preach this morning from this thought. Is Lord just a label? Is Lord just a label? Would you lift your hands with me this morning? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I thank you for every person. Everybody that's here today is here by the divine will of God. They're not here by happenstance, chance, coincidence. They're here because somewhere in the spirit world you begin to ordain their steps and you begin to order their path and you brought them to the presence of the Lord for a reason. I pray that we would open our hearts this morning, that we would hear the word of the Lord. But Lord, also before we leave, that we would lead change because we stepped out and we obeyed what God has spoke to our hearts. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. Is Lord just a label? We are living in a world that puts extreme emphasis and value on labels. Everywhere you go, I remember when when my wife and I got married. My wife, and and, and please don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. Let me explain myself. My wife, we go to the grocery store, and my wife got great value, sort of putting all this great value stuff in in the buggy. And I said, I don't buy great value. That stuff doesn't even taste the same. I buy the real thing. And so so we started buying. But you know what happens? When you start paying for it and money's tight, it can be less value instead of great value and you're still going to buy it. But I, I noticed, I, I was reading a study of how they market. And if you notice in the grocery store, everything that's eye level is usually name brand. And, they, and then they put the, the, the other stuff down lower. I will crawl on my hands and knees now to save money if I have to. I'm not above that. We are living in a label-driven society. What clothes do you wear? What purse do you Hey, I know all about purses. That's my go-to gift, okay, purses. When you have all the ladies in the house, you can, you can shop for purses. What, what purse are you carrying? When I was a kid, 
I was so envious of these kids that wore jabots. How many remember what jabots were? Jeans. And, 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 and my, my parents, you know, we didn't, we didn't shop for the, the biggest brand, the nicest stuff. We just were happy to go clothed to school, you know, one of those things. And we, I remember, I remember I was so proud of my Spaldings with the pump-up tongue, and I could jump higher. When you're this big, you can't jump high no matter how hard you try. But I thought I could jump higher. And, and I remember all my friends had Nikes. I said, boy, i got to get me some Nikes. And I remember talking my mom into getting me some Nikes. We went to the mall, and, and, and we went to the clearance section. And I, I can remember them so vividly. They were white and black and blue, and they had a Velcro strap. They were high tops. And I mean, you would have thought someone handed me a million dollars. I put on my shoes, and I, I remember I had a, my neighborhood friend was the only child, which meant he got anything he wanted. He didn't have to divvy it all up amongst other kids. And, and so I remember the first time he saw him, he looked at me, he goes, it looks like you got those on sale. <laughs> I did get them on sale. But they're still Nikes. I mean, I was deflated at that very moment. But it goes to show you how everything is label, label, label. Because we let a label dictate a status symbol. We allow labels if you drive this car. And if you shop here, and if you wear this, then you are in this category. The labels try to define, you allow them to define who you are. Labels. You know, people approach the name or the title Lord as a label. And they think if I use that label, then it will make me in right standing with God. If I use that label in my life, oh, he is Lord. It, it, no, it's not about a label when it comes to God. It's about a lifestyle that makes you in right standing with God. Jesus said, why call ye me, Lord, Lord? Why are you using this label? But you're not doing the things which I'm asking you to do. You're using this as a label to make yourself think that you are in right standing with me and that you have a relationship with me, but it's just a label. You don't have a lifestyle to match the label. You see, the definition of Lord is this, a person who has authority, control, or power over others, master, chief, and ruler. And the Bible shows or tells us that he is Lord of lords. In other words, if, if, if you could think of any Lord in this world, both seen or unseen, he has power over any Lord. He is the ultimate source of power and authority in our lives. He is Lord. In regards to him being a ruler over our life, if he is going to be Lord, the only way he can be Lord is you have to allow him to be Lord by doing what he asks you to do. If you don't do what he asks you to do, then that's just, you're just using the term Lord to appease your conscience. 
Jesus said the way to determine the difference between those who really have him as Lord of their life is by whether or not they do what he asked them to do. Just because you're in a sanctuary doesn't mean you're saved. That'd be like standing in that parking lot out there and saying, I'm a Ford. It don't happen like that. Just because you're there, it doesn't make you something. And just because you use the term, oh, he's Lord of my life, just because you use the term loosely doesn't mean that he is Lord of your life. The only way he can be Lord is you have to do what he asks you to do. Jesus asked us and said a lot of things to do. In fact, there was one man that approached him and talked about being born again, and Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's a whole lot of people calling him Lord, but they don't do, want to do what he asked them to do. My mother was a grammar teacher, so I was forced to pay attention in grammar. And so I learned a little bit. And there are two words in that verse that are called absolutes. In other words, they're non-debatable. And that's the word except and the word cannot. Those two words leave no room for error. They leave no room for opinion or for debate. In other words, he said, this is it right here. Except a man be born of the water. That's baptism in Jesus' name. And except a man be born of the Spirit. That's receiving the power of God in your life, evidence when you speak in another language. He said, except you do those two things, there's no way you can enter the kingdom of God. Because that's how you are born again. That's the new birth. And, you know, when I was a kid, I probably shared this, but I had two brothers, and we were, uh, we tended to be rather rowdy. Boys can be rowdy, but I believe boys need to be boys. Don't try to make them sit still. You let boys be boys. And we started, we would break things. I mean, we... I remember one time when, when my brother my brother got his second car. His first one was a piece of junk. The second one was a 95 Chevy Lumina. You remember those cars? Like a driving tank. Boy, he loved that thing. And I remember I got ticked off at him because he, he had to come pick me up somewhere. And, <laughs> and I got out of his car. He just got this car. And I slammed it so hard. Boom. That the mirror fell off on the side of the of the door, and my brother's six three, three hundred pounds. I mean, you don't want to mess with my brother. And all I could think of to do was run. <laughs> and my fat hide started trotting across the front yard. And my brother picked up one of them old metal baseball bats, them big old things that was like a log. And he just, like a javelin, he just whoo, knocked me right in the back, running across that front yard. We were boys. But I remember when we were kids, we would break stuff. We would do all kinds of stuff. And my mom would say, you can't do that with that. And why not? And she'd say, because you didn't buy it. When you buy it, you can do whatever you want to do with it. That was a problem when you only made $5 a week. You can't even buy a value meal for $5 a week. My mom had a little book in her purse. It was a credit book for her kids. And she would write down every time she... Loaned us $5, 10 I was like six months on credit on my $5 allowance. But when I finally saved up money 
and I bought something. Nobody could touch it. You know why? Because since I bought it, I set the rules for it. See, I don't understand these people that want to change the rules to get to heaven. The Bible said he had purchased the church with his own blood. And because he bought the church, then he sets the rules. And the rules are still, except a man be born of the water and the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's the only way. I don't. If we were to, if we were to treat preachers like Paul said to treat them, you know what Paul said? If any other gospel is preached unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. Because over time, people have have allowed their opinion to trump the word of God. But your opinion is not not greater than the Word of God. The Word of God is still the chief source in what we're going to be held accountable by. See, you've got to understand there's a difference between truth and belief. A belief is nothing more than an opinion that changes from person to person. And is normally shaped by things that you've been through in your life. It changes. And it changes in your mind as you age. And as events happen, but truth never changes. And if, if nobody believed truth, it would still have no bearing on the validity of truth. Truth is truth. Whether you like it or not, truth is truth. What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So your love for Jesus is directly tied to your love for truth because you can't separate them. They're all in one the same. If you love Jesus, you'll love truth. They are the same thing. So that's that's if you want to if you want him to be Lord, then you got to do what he said. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, you got to do what he said. But let's look beyond that. They came to him. The rich young ruler came to him and said, "Master, what 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 good things shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" He said, "You got to keep the commandments." He said, "I've done that." He said, "All right, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor." And the Bible says that he went away sorrowful because he had much possessions. That word good master, master is another word for Lord. He was was using the label, but he didn't want the lifestyle. And that's where so many people fall prey is they want to use the label, but they don't want to live the life to match the label. He went away sorrowful. Because he had many possessions. And he allowed things to interrupt his relationship with God. That's why when Jesus came and said, and they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? This is what he said. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Three dimensions of man, heart, mind, and soul. Three dimen- In other words, I want you to love me with all, everything within you. Every aspect of who you are. I want to be Lord of everything. And we let things, we let stuff rob us from that relationship with God. You know, they used to say, 
Oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. You know the problem I'm finding now? We got so many earthly minded, they're of no heavenly good. They're so, their minds are so fixed on things of the world, things of the earth. I got to do this. I got to make this. I got to get more money here. I got to build this. I got to drive this. I got to do all this stuff. But they're missing out on the greatest thing, which is letting God be God of everything in their life. Friend, I don't want him to be Lord on Sunday and Wednesday. I want him to be Lord every single day that I live. That's why Paul said in him we live, we move, and we have our being. You may not agree with my next statement, and that's all right. You can be wrong. That's fine. But when I was a youth pastor, sometimes my wife accuses me of being blunt at times, which I can be blunt. I try to put a little sugar on it, but sometimes the only way to say it is to say it. And so I told my young people I was having a problem with a bunch of them just being a bunch of hypocrites. And I said, look, if you're going to be a sinner, I want you to be the best sinner the world's ever seen. I want you to drink it up, snort it up, smoke it up. You do it. Go out. Whoever told you sin and fun didn't do the right sinning. If it wasn't fun, they wouldn't be doing it. Now, the consequences of sin are horrible. But if it wasn't fun, there wouldn't be so many people out there doing all that stuff. It's fun to the flesh. But I told him, I said, now, if you're going to live for God, I want you to be the best Christian that God has ever had. What was I trying to do? I was trying to get them out of the middle. Living in the realm of indifference. And appeasing their conscience by just showing up and thinking everything. Let me just tell you, this is what too many people do. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. They use tongues as a spiritual indicator instead of a spiritual edifier. They run to an altar, five minutes, they say shakabo three times, and they feel like everything's good between me and God. And they go out those doors and they live the same way that they lived before they came in. They think that by them feeling the Spirit of God, that it's God's approval on how they've been living. And that's not what it is. Tongues is a spiritual edifier where you pray in the Spirit and you get all that junk out of your soul. Just because God allows through his mercy for you to feel his spirit doesn't mean you keep living how you're living. No, you change how you're living to match the book and for God to be God of everything. But the second commandment, Jesus said the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. As thyself. And this is what he said. This is how, how important it is. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law. In other words, everything this book is hangs or rests upon your love for God and your love for people. If you don't love God and you don't love people, then this book is of no value in your life because its applicability rests upon how much you love God and how much you love people. And let me just say this. 
Your love for God is directly tied to your love for people. And how you treat people indicates how you treat God. They're tied together. They're tied together. The Bible says in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Two. Two indicates action. Love two, not four. See, I could see you on the side of the road broke down, and I could pass you, but I still have love for you. But if I show love to you, that means I'm stopping and helping you. It indicates action. And how you, your love for God is directly tied to how you treat people. Now, just let me, let me sink it in for a minute because the Lord dealt with me last night. Why is it that we have more love and mercy for people out of the church than we do for people in the church? Why is it that we are so merciful and gracious to people that don't know God? And we have open arms and we love them. And we need to. But for people in the church, we break out the Uzi and finish them off when they're hurting. Brother Hughes, I've never understood it. We're the only people I know that kill our wounded. And you may not go directly to them, but it's what's done behind their back that finishes them off. Because you won't say it to their face, but you'll say it to everybody else, knowing that it will eventually get back to them. And tell me that your love for God is right. And tell me that God is everything in your life. No, when you treat people like that, when you treat people like that, there is a breach in the integrity of the house that is being built in your life. You don't treat people like that. You love them. You love them. Let me tell you how to deal with people you don't get along with. Love them. Tell you how to deal with people that you don't get along with. Pray for them. It's one of the greatest lessons God ever taught me and is still teaching me. Because there's been many people that I want to punch straight in the face as soon as I saw them at church. I couldn't stand them. Don't act like I'm the only one. I will, I will love you across the church. I'm not loving you next to you in the church. Because I'm human. I've got opinions. I've got feelings. And I know what you said about me. And if you said it on the outside, there's a whole lot more that you've been thinking on the inside. God taught me, Tyler, retaliation is not the way to mend things. The only way that you can deal with it is love them and pray for them and say, God, I want them to make it to heaven. It's not about getting even. It's about being saved. You can't live your life waiting for opportunities of retribution. You can't live your life saying, you know what? I really, really wish that something bad would happen. I'm going to pray a blessing. I'm going to pray God blesses them with bankruptcy, bless them with cancer, bless them. No, that's not how you do that. You say, God, look what Jesus did. He, hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive. 
forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I can deal with it, but I want you to spare them. I want you to love them, God. I feel the Holy Ghost. That's why the book says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't take vengeance into your hand. You love them and you put it in the hands of God and say, God, I just want them saved. I just want them right with you. I remember going into services. Knowing I was fighting devils. I'm telling you, knowing I was fighting devils in revivals. And I would, I would waste all my energy trying to fight what was wrong in that church. I was so focused on all of, of the bad that was going on. I gotta, God, I gotta tackle this. I gotta tackle this. I gotta tackle this. And I would waste all my energy focusing on a handful of people that just wanted to live wrong. And I missed out on everybody that wanted to live right. And God dealt with me and said, hey, stop focusing on that little cluster. Let's focus on all of this good over here. And it'll rise up and it'll devour all of that junk in the church. My friend, stop focusing on the one or the two that's driving you crazy. And say, God, I'm just going to love everybody. Let me tell you what God hates. God hates discord. You know what discord is? Discord is retribution over one who's been done wrong. They try to start sowing seeds in other people's mind. It's amazing how churches are divided into camps. You got this one taking that side and this one taking that side. And then you got those that talk out of both sides of their mouth and they're on both sides. It's all in a church. And that's not how should the body, body of Christ should be. The body of Christ is, hey, I'm on one side. I'm on the Lord's side. I don't, you, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not getting in your business. I'm on God's side. That's why as an evangelist, I come, in, I come in at church time, and I don't linger that much. Because when I first started, before I got to the pulpit, Sister Sally done filled me in on all the problems in the church. And if I have human knowledge about it, I won't address it from a pulpit. Because I'm not up here saying what somebody else, if God tells me, I'll speak it. But I'm not up here trying to tell me what Sally told me. I don't want to know all the business in the church. Either God speaks to me. Love, love, love. I remember, I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, I had some young people. And they were like a revolving door. One Sunday they'd come to the altar, power of God would hit them, they'd pray through. They'd do good about three services, they'd go back out in the world. Six months later, here they come again. They'd pray through, they'd go. It was like a revolving door. And when one day God had to, had to deal with me because I got so ticked off. I said, God, I'm tired of praying with them. I'm tired of them coming to church, praying through, going living like the world, come back, do it again, do it again. And the Lord dealt me and said, Tyler, it's not your place to figure out which time is going to stick. It's not your place to say, you know what, they don't mean it. They don't, they're just playing games with God. No, that's not your place. He said, Tyler, your place is to love them and pray for them and let me deal with everything else in their life. But we want to play little gods. And we want to be the ones to discern whether or not they mean it or not. You don't know the heart of man. You don't know the thoughts of man. 
You don't know whether or not they're serious or not. So you know what? I made up my mind. I don't care if it's their fifth time or if it's their 500th time. I'm going to pray for them like it's the first time. Every single time. Because you never know when that transaction is going to take place in their life. You see, what revealed the difference between label and lifestyle? There was one that was built upon a foundation because they heard and they obeyed. And when the storms of life blew, and how many know the storms of life have a way of catching you off guard? You know, I don't mind those storms. I'm driving down the road and I see them up there. I'm good with that. It's the ones that catch you out of nowhere. The ones that blindside you. We were, we were at Branson last year on vacation in July. Because if you're Pentecostal, you've got to go to heaven through Branson. That's the only way to get there. <laughs> and we went to Silver Dollar City. And how, if, if you've ever been to Silver Dollar City, you know it's a whole lot of this number right here. And so when you're this big and you find a bench, you sit a while and you get a little energy built back up. And my wife and one, two, three, three of my daughters went to the restroom. And so me and Ava was sitting on a, on, a, on a bench. And we looked behind us. They had a raised, raised flower bed. And there was a squirrel about 9 or 10 feet away. And I said, oh, Ava, look at the squirrel. Look how cute this squirrel is, you know. So she's looking at the squirrel. And I turned around to the bathroom to see if my family was coming out yet. And what I'm fixing to tell you actually happened in about three seconds. But I'm going to break it down for you so you get the full dynamic of, of like you was there, okay. I looked at the bathroom, and there against the wall, probably about from here to that wall, was a chipmunk sitting on the floor, right, on the, on the concrete. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I, don't, I haven't seen many chipmunks, okay? So this is like a, a new deal to me. And I'm like, oh, look at the chipmunk. Look how cute the chipmunk is. And have you ever heard that analogy when, when baseball players are watching the ball? That ball gets bigger, 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 bigger. This chipmunk uh, was a demon got into it, and it took off running straight for me. And I'm watching this thing, and his head is getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And I'm not, I'm not making this people all around, okay? This chipmunk jumped up and landed right in my chest. And I start flopping and flailing like a fish out of water. And it, it jumped off of me and started running. Well, then, because people's walking everywhere... I feel like I've got to justify to them why this fat guy is flopping. So I started screaming, chipmunk, chipmunk. Like there was a demonic chipmunk on the loose. I'm telling you, it happened like in five seconds. But I still remember. You know, life has a way to act like a chipmunk. It will catch you so off guard. You never saw things coming. And you're left flopping and flailing, wondering what just happened. And when those storms of life blow, and when you're caught off guard, the only thing still standing... Is that life that said he's going to be more than a label in my life. But I'm going to do what he asked me to do. I'm going to live like he asked me to live. I'm going to love people like he asked me to love people. Stand with me all over the building this morning. Have you ever wondered how some people 
could end up so far away from where they once were. I've lived long enough now to see people that used to teach me Sunday school and people that used to sing in the choir at my church or the church that I grew up in. And and people that heard the same preaching I heard, went to the same prayer meetings that I went to. But when the storms of life blew, it revealed whether or not Lord was just a label or it was a lifestyle that they lived. You can't stop the storms. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. You can't stop the things, the seasons of life that come. But what you can control is the foundation upon which you build your house. Either I'm going to do what he asked me to do, or I'm going to live my life trying to fool myself and calling him Lord when he's really not Lord at all. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please. No one looking around all over this building. There's a drawing of God's Spirit here today. God is dealing with people. God is speaking to people. I don't know what life is like for you. It doesn't, doesn't matter today. We all are facing different things. We're all going through different things. But what matters this morning is that you respond to the call of God today. If you're here today and you have never, never experienced the Spirit of God coming into your life, just like Jesus said, being born of the Spirit. And when that happens, the Spirit of God comes into your heart as you begin to worship. You will speak in another language. If you have never experienced that, nobody looking around, nobody looking around. I want you to raise your hand in the air this morning. This is honesty between you and God. You say, preacher, that's never happened to me. I've never experienced that before. I've heard about it, but I've never experienced it. Thank you so much. Nobody looking around. Now to all of us here in this building, I honestly believe that you want God to be Lord of everything or you wouldn't be here today. I don't think you came to church just because you wanted something to do on a Sunday morning. I believe you came to church because you want to draw closer to God. I believe you want God to help you in areas of your life. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with some things. Maybe you need to assess some relationships with people. Maybe you've got stuff in your life that you've been holding on to. What matters this morning is that you let God be God of everything in your life. If you want Him to be Lord of everything, I want you to lift one of your hands in the air right now. I think that should be every hand in the building. I want Him to be Lord of everything in my life. I want Him to be Lord of my finances, Lord of my relationship, Lord of my home, Lord of everything, Lord of everything, Lord of everything. We're fixing to have a time of consecration. I'm fixing to open this altar. When I do, I want you to come up here, and it's going to be more than a two-minute prayer time. I believe we can do some soul searching. I believe God can uproot some things in your spirit. I believe God can realign your vision if you want Him to be Lord of everything. If you raise your hand, why don't you step out of your pew? I'm opening up this altar right now. I'd come to this altar as fast as I could because I want Him to be Lord of everything this morning. I want Him to be Lord of everything. Come on, men. Come on, ladies. As He begins to sing, I want you to come to the front of this building and reach out to God today. 
God has a way of putting the pieces back together. God has a way of realigning things where they need to be. But you have to do what he asked you to do. You only you can control that.